Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series. And now, here is Senior Pastor Ken Jensen. It's an incredible story. Um, and it goes to actually what we're going to be talking about today and this whole idea of debt. Um, and I'm glad that you're here with us today. Glad that you're with us over in the Vallejo campus and those joining us online as well. We are in week two of this series called The Road to Financial Freedom. And, and it really is um, just all about being free and, and having that, that load lifted off of you. And I, I thought I would, I'd like to start today with just kind of a, a show of hands, okay? Um, you don't have to do it all right away. I'll, I'll list a few and then you can, um, then you can respond. First off, um, show of hands, who here has ever argued with your spouse about money? Okay, wait, wait, no, 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 not... You are really fast on that one. Um, <laughs> Wait until I get through all of them, okay? If you've ever argued with your spouse about money, um, if you've ever worried about being able to pay your rent or your, your mortgage, um, if you have ever found yourself with um, the end of your paycheck before the end of the month, um, and if you ever have any anxiety about wondering if you're going to have enough saved for your future and for retirement, okay? So any of those... Um, if that fits any of yours, um, just raise your hand, would you? All right, good. So this is all for you, because <laughs> that's really what this is all about. The road to financial freedom is so, so important. And it's not just, not just for that freedom that we feel in our, in our own uh, well-being. It is actually a discipleship issue. It is really about your relationship with God. And that's why Jesus talked more and more about possessions and money than any other single topic. And sometimes people kind of get upset if you talk about money in church. But if Jesus talked about it more than anything else, we ought to at least give it a little try, you know? Because it's that important. It really is. It's a heart issue. And that's kind of what we're going to be looking at today. Um, One of the things to find is, and and I said this last week. Oh, by the way, I forgot to do this in first service. Let me give you an update on our walk for water. So as of this weekend, um, our goal was seven wells, $72,000. As of this weekend, we have raised actually $82,000. So so thank you for all of you who walked. Thank you for all of you who sponsored and and, uh, donated. Um, that is going to be eight new wells in Uganda this coming year. And we're really, really excited. That touches thousands of people's lives, thousands of people. So we're really excited about that. And that's what generosity does. I talked about this last week. That, that just feels good. The reason you clap for that is because it feels good. And I believe, I believe at the heart of it is because that's what it means to be created in the image of God. Part of what it means to be created in the image of God is this feeling of warmth and satisfaction, and, and it just feels right when you are generous um, because that's how God created you. He is the most generous being in all the universe, and his, his generosity is unlimited. And as he extends that to us, we have the opportunity to extend it to others. But I said last week, one of the greatest barriers to that happening is this whole thing called worry, that worry is what keeps us from being generous. Will I have enough? If I give way, will I have enough for myself? And what we looked at last week is we got to kind of change our attitude about the whole thing and understand God is our provider. God is the owner. And if we act generously, he always provides for us. It is an act of faith. It is a discipleship issue. And so shifting our attitude in that whole thing is so important. And this whole series is, is kind of based in uh, Barry Cameron's book, 
uh, the ABCs of financial freedom. And, and actually, we, we did a whole series about it last year, um, as Sally and Jeffrey talked about. And it's so important. The ABCs of financial freedom, this is the book, and we are giving this book away free. We believe so much in the principles that are here because they are godly principles. They're written by Barry Cameron, who's a pastor in Grand Perry, uh, Texas. And in the late 1990s, they just decided as a family, they were tired of living the way they were living financially and the debt that they had and, and all of that. And so they just started to put biblical principles to work in their own family finances. And it took them over three years. So I'm telling you, this is not a quick fix, but it is a fix. And by following those principles, they have lived as a family debt-free since 2001. So you can argue, okay, but he'll tell you, this is my story and... You can't argue with that. And they have lived debt-free since 2001. So we believe so much in this. We are giving this book away. You can pick up your free copy in the lobby at the table out there. Now, along with it comes a workbook. And this one we're charging five bucks for because you've got to have a little skin in the game, okay? But here's the deal. This is where the magic happens because the workbook goes along with the book and it will give you very practical steps to, to put into practice the things that he writes about in the book. And we encourage you, if you are not already in a community group, a support network and a community group is a great way to get connected in and to do this stuff together. So I'm encouraging you, buy the book, buy the workbook, get the book free, join a community group and be a part of all of this because it's all about um, that road to financial freedom. So worry, I said, is one of the big things. We talked about that last week. But the reason that we worry is the thing that we're going to talk about today, which is debt. And debt is the one thing that causes that great worry when it comes to our finances. So today we're going to be talking about how to reduce your debt. In Matthew chapter 6, again, I said Jesus talked more about money than anything else, any other single subject. And in Matthew 6 is another time that he talked about it. Beginning in verse 19, he said these words. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. In that little section, Jesus talks about not only our attitude, but but what causes it. And today, my, my goal is to inspire you to become debt-free so that you can live a great or generous life. And, and I want to give you three... Um, first, I'm going to give you three critical distinctions that you need to make in your thinking. And then I'm going to give you three steps that you can take to get out of debt, okay? So three critical um, distinctions that you need to make. The first one is this. You need to be able to distinguish between needs and wants. <laughs> distinguish between needs and wants. Now... To be able to do that, I'm going to give you some definitions. So this is the definition of a need. A need is something that is necessary. Necessary being the key word there, okay? It's a necessity. It's something that I have to have. That is a need. A want is something that is desired, longed for, or demanded. Now, 
That seems really simple, except that we have great difficulty distinguishing between wants and needs. And more often than not, we get ourselves into debt, not because of pursuing wants, but by pursuing, not by pursuing needs, but by pursuing wants. That's usually the source of the whole thing. Because I get confused. I got, um, a couple weeks ago, got an email from Apple. I am eligible for an iPhone 10. Yeah. And then there was a little link to the website where I could look at the iPhone 10, and it is beautiful. It is edge-to-edge screen. It's got an OLED, you know, super retina display. It's got uh, the front camera's as good as the back camera. Um, it's just got so many people. And I just, you know, I, I clicked and I followed that and I read through the whole thing and I was just drooling in front of it. And I convinced myself I need an iPhone 10. And then I had to preach this sermon today. And now I can't do it and it's all your fault. Because I, I really want the iPhone 10, but it's so easy to convince myself that I need it. I really need it. And you know what the greatest culprit is when it comes to this, this problem of wants and needs? It's your eyes. It's the way that you look at stuff. That's why advertising, so much money is spent on advertising and those hero pictures of the product because you just feel like, I got to have this. That's why Jesus said this. He says, your eye is a lamp of the body. If your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And he says, if, you're, if the light within you is dark, how great is that darkness? Now, it's okay to have wants. I'm not saying you can't have wants. What I'm saying is you need to distinguish the difference. Needs are needs and wants are wants. Quick quiz. Food for your body, want or need? That's a need, absolutely. An in and out double-double with a large chocolate shake. Yeah, I knew you'd have trouble with that one. That is a want, okay? It looks like a need, but it's really a want. You got to be able to make that distinction between the two. And here's why. Because if you don't know the difference, your heart will go to wants. And that's why Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Your heart will always follow your treasure. And if you don't distinguish between wants and needs, wants will take over, and that's where your treasure will go, and that's where your heart will go. So you got to be able to distinguish between needs and wants. Second thing, distinguish between spending and saving. Now again, that seems pretty basic. Except, in practice, not so much. So let me give you some definitions. Spending is when your money goes away from you. All right? If your money's going away from you, that's called spending. Saving is when your money comes toward you or stays with you. So, quick quiz. If I buy a $100 item that's on sale for 50% off, how much have I saved? No, nothing. I have spent $50. My money has gone away from me. See, now you read the advertisements and it says save 50%, save $50, save $1,000. If your money goes away from you, that is not saving. That is spending. And we need to distinguish the difference between the two. Proverbs 13, 11. Whoever gathers, that's the coming toward me part. Whoever gathers money 
little by little makes it grow. Savings, your money grows. Spending, it goes away from you. And you need to be able to make that distinction. One more. You need to be able to make the distinction between credit and debt. Okay? And I'll give you definitions on that one. Credit, credit is the ability to obtain before payment. Okay? I'm able to obtain something before I actually pay for it. That's credit. Debt is something, typically money, that is owed. All right. You understand the difference? So here's another quiz for you. If I buy something on credit, in other words, I obtained it before payment, where does that put me? In debt. Yes. Very good. You're catching on. If I acquire something before paying for it, that automatically puts me in debt. Now, credit, credit's a good thing. Credit. Well, if I've got credit, if your credit score is 700 and above, man, you're doing great. You got credit. You got credit. That's good. Credit is good. Except when you use credit, it puts you into debt, and debt is bad. But again, if we don't make that distinction, if we don't make the connection between credit and debt, we're thinking we're doing really, really good if we buy on credit. But all we're doing is getting more and more in debt. And here's what Proverbs 22 says about debt. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is what? Say it out loud. Slave Slave to the lender. Slave to the lender. And Jesus said, Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Okay, wait, wait, wait. If I borrow and I'm in debt, then I'm a slave. Now I have another master. And Jesus said, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot, and not maybe can, you cannot. You cannot serve both God and money. So, if I take on debt, if I buy on credit and I take on debt, Scripture says I become a slave. Now I have another master. Jesus said you can't have two masters. You're going to be constantly torn between the two. It just doesn't work. And the more loans you have, the more debt you have, the more owners you have, and the more masters you have. And if you don't master the card, the card will master you. And so we got to be able to make the distinction and know the difference and know the connection between credit and debt, okay? Those are absolutely essential. Now, let me say something more about that. It doesn't just make you a slave financially. It makes you a slave in your heart. And that's, that's the problem. Because now there's someone else who owns a piece of me. And I have no contentment. I have no peace of mind. I have no settledness in my heart if somebody else is owning me. So making that distinction is absolutely essential. So what do you do? I'm going to give you three critical steps. And every one of these is absolutely critical, absolutely essential. First one is this. Incur no new debt. Again, sounds real easy. Not so easy in practice. Because debt is not really a money issue. It is a self-discipline issue. It's not because more money will not solve your debt problem. It's a self-discipline issue. Again, Proverbs 
Chapter 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Here's why. Credit cards encourage and facilitate impulse buying. In fact, actually, Citicorp, a number of years ago, I read about this, did actually, they calculated and they figured out that on average, someone who, who buys with a credit card actually buys 26% more than people who actually pay cash. It's a proven fact. That if you have the credit card, now you've got the ability to do those impulse buys. And so you make these purchases of things that you can't really afford. If you actually shelled out that money, you would be less likely to spend as much. But if you can do it with a credit card, even, they said, even if you pay it off every month, you still tend to buy more if you use a credit card to make your purchases. That's why more money is not the answer. Self-control is the answer. Dave Ramsey puts it this way. Getting into debt is as easy as riding the down escalator at the mall. It's that easy. Getting out of debt is like trying to walk up the down escalator with people on it. It's not as easy. Getting into debt is real easy. It takes no effort, no self-control. Getting out of debt takes a great deal of self-control. So the first thing is this. You've got to incur no new debt, which means a little plastic surgery. <laughs> and if you can't actually cut up the card, at least put it somewhere where you can't get to it. Don't carry it on your person. If you find yourself in, 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 uh, in deep debt or even in mild debt, you got to quit doing it. Because if you just keep buying on credit, even if you're trying to pay it all off, the more you keep buying, you're just not, you're not going to do it. You're not going to make any headway. So the first thing is you've got to stop using your credit card, maximizing self-control. Um, Proverbs 22, 26. Do not be the one who shakes hands in pledge, puts up security for debts. If you lack the means to pay, your very bed will be snatched from under you. So... At least when it comes to furniture, don't buy it on credit, okay? That's right there in the Bible, okay? Do not buy furniture on credit because it's going to be snatched right out from under you. So first off, do not incur any new debt. Just put it away, put it aside. Do not take out any more loans. Do not take out any more. Do not charge any more on your credit card. That's got to be the first step. Then, then eliminate the existing debt. As you've got debt, now you've got to have an approach. How do I get rid of this? You have to start paying it off. Psalm 37. The wicked borrow and do not repay, but the righteous give generously. Now, here's the thing. If you are only making the minimum payment on your credit cards, you are not paying them off. You really are not paying them off. You are just making a minimum payment. And that is not, if you ever look at your statements now, they're, they're actually required by law to tell you if you make the minimum payment, you will pay this off in like 20 years. <laughs> I think it's something like that. It just, if you're just making the minimum payment, you are not paying it off. And that means you, that is wicked. It is wicked to not pay it off. By the way, do you know this? Maybe you've never thought about this. Your credit card company is more than happy for you to not pay it off. Why do you think they offer the minimum payment? 
because they are making money on you. And the thing that you bought on credit that is now, it's now at the dumps <laughs> and you're still paying for it, you didn't save, you spent. And now you spent more than you actually intended to spend for that item. So he says, pay it back, pay it back. Romans 3, give to everyone what you owe them. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Now, here's the thing about that. If I have outstanding debt, you know what that does? That severely hinders my ability to love other people in tangible, generous ways. I don't have the financial freedom, the financial margin to be able to do what I really wish I could do for somebody. So he says, let no debt may not say any, except the one to continue to love one another. That's the only thing you should owe, that debt to love one another. Now, you can do it. It's not going to be easy. Um, Barry Cameron said it took them over three years. But this workbook will help you. If you turn on page 13, he talks about um, the load. Load stands for L-O-A-D, listing of all debt. And he says, here's what you do. And here's an example. You sit down and you put down everything that you owe. Student loans, car loans, mortgage, credit card debt, okay? List them all. And then actually on the next page, page 14, a blank one for you to use for yourself. And just sit down and write down. That's why this workbook is so important. Write down every loan, every outstanding debt that you have. List them all there. Because you need to know where to start in all of this. Have you ever gone like to, to a, sh- a shopping mall? Maybe you've never been before. Or, or maybe you've gone like to uh, uh, on a trail hike um, somewhere. And usually there's like this big map or this directory. And it's got a big red X and it says, you are here. Okay, you know that? You've seen those before? Okay, that's what listing of all debt is. You are here. Because you need to know where you are if you're going to find your way out of that forest. So... Listing of all debt. Then what you do, and this is what he talks about in the book, and, and he's not the only one. Dave Ramsey talks about this. A number of people talk about this. What you do is you approach each one of those debts in order. And the order that you approach them in is you start with the one that has the smallest balance. And I know that seems a little counterintuitive. And sometimes people say, well, shouldn't I start with the one that has the highest interest? Because that's where I'm spending most of the, that's where I'm you know, paying the highest interest on. That, shouldn't I address that one first? Not necessarily. You start with the one that has the lowest balance, and here's why. It will be the easiest one to pay off. So what you do is you make the minimum payment, and I know we're getting there, okay? So for now, you make the minimum payment on all the others, and you start with the one that, you can, that has the lowest balance, and you put all that you can to pay off that card, pay off that debt. And here's why. Because once you, you, first of all, it'll be the easiest one to pay off. That will get the momentum going. Dave Ramsey talked about this as the snowball effect. You know, kind of that snowball that rolls downhill and gets bigger and bigger and it, and it keeps gaining momentum. That's what you want to do. You'll be able to pay off one. You'll be able to say, hey, I'm making progress. I, I got rid of one of those cards. Now what you do, you pay off that one. And if you haven't already, you cut it up. You get rid of it. Then you go to the next one. The next lowest debt. And what you do is you take all that you were paying on that first one 
and you add that to the minimum payment that you have been paying so far on that second one, and then you start attacking that one, and you pay that one off. And then once that one's paid off, you've got more momentum and you've got some progress and you've got some success behind you. Then you attack the next card and you attack them in that way. By doing it in that way, you create momentum, you celebrate successes, and you make progress. Now, go back to number one. Because if you don't stop incurring more debt, it doesn't matter what your plan is over here on number two. Because you might think you're paying stuff off, but if you're still charging at this end, you're not really paying it off. So you got to do one and two at the same time. And then the third one is this. You establish financial margin. You have to come up with a plan to build margin. Again, this is not only a self-discipline issue. This is really a contentment issue. It's about getting not only here's where I am, here's where I want to be. And, and again, that's why money itself, more money itself, is not the answer. Ecclesiastes 5.10. Whoever loves money never has enough. How many people have ever found that one to be true? I, it's the same true for me. Yeah. You, know, you, you get a raise, and you think, oh, great. I spend more. <laughs> he says, whoever loves money will never have enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. And here's why. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm going to give you a picture that is worth $1,000 at least. Looks like this. Over time, here's money, here's time. Over time, generally speaking, your income will increase. You might sometimes get a nice little bump in pay. Uh, you might actually have maybe a setback and you kind of tighten your belts for a little bit. But overall, in general, over a period of time, your income will increase. You will get more and more money each year. That's, that's generally true. Not always, but for the most part, that's true. The problem is, this is what we do with our spending. It follows the exact same line. <laughs> I get a raise, I increase my level of, 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 of spending. And, and if, I, if I drop then, well, okay, I got to tighten my belt a little bit, but we'll get through this because another raise will come eventually. And, you know, and so what happens is the spending line follows pretty much right alongside the, the, the income line bigger problem comes with the next one because what happens is very often is we don't make the adjustment when we take the uh, the adjustment when when we have the downturn because we're used to a certain standard of living and and now that standard of living um, we take a dip on the income but we don't want to tighten the belt we don't want to dip in our, 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 um, our spending. And so that continues to grow. And what happens is then, then you're playing catch up for the rest of the time because your spending continues to outpace and it doesn't get better because again, never satisfied. It just keeps going. And what happens is that you start living in a fantasy world. And that's what, that's what debt does. That's what credit does because credit, credit allows us to live in a fantasy that we, we are actually more wealthy than we are. And that's a fantasy. Proverbs 12, 11 says this. Those who work their land will have abundant food. But those who chase fantasies have no sense. Here's why. Because when your spending outpaces your income, you end up in the red. And that's called debt. And that's called stress. And that's called anxiety. And that's called arguments with your spouse. (laughs) It is not a way to live. 
credit allows us to live with this fantasy that we are actually wealthier than we are. And if we don't fix the debt problem, if we don't fix that standard of living problem, we will never be content and it will just continue to grow, 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 grow. So how do you fix that? Let me give you an alternative. Your income follows the same line. But what if, what if you learn to hold your spending below your income? Not following the line exactly, not exceeding the line of, of income, but just keeping a little bit below. And I'm not, you, can, you can increase it. You, know, you can increase it. Just don't increase it necessarily the, the, the same way that you, your income increases. And if you're able to do that, what that establishes is what we call margin. Margin is the difference between what comes in and what goes out. Margin is breathing room. Margin is space. Margin is peace of mind. Margin is peace in the family. Margin is the way that we were meant to live. Now, next week, we're going to talk about how do you do that? How do you establish that kind of margin? First, we're talking about, okay, you got to reduce the debt, but, but how do you establish the margin? See, margin is that breathing room that allows me to truly be generous. Now, let me say one more thing, because this is important. Generosity does not depend on margin. Generosity can be started. In fact, you'll see this when we do this next week and we help you put together your spending plan. Um, you don't have to wait till margin. In fact, you should put into your spending plan generosity and giving. And, and here's why. Because people come to me like this. I've heard people say things like this to me. You know what? If I would just win the lottery, I would be so generous. And I tell them, no, you won't. And you know why? Because more money's not the answer. It's a contentment. It's a self-disciplined thing. And if you are not self-disciplined when you are living within your means and you're establishing this margin and you've already put that into your... You're not going to change when you get more. In fact, statistically, people that make more money give less as a percentage than those who don't. Statistically, those who give more as a percentage of their income are those on the lower end of the economic scale. And that's why I tell them, no, you won't. No, you won't. Because it's a self-discipline issue, it's a contentment issue, and ultimately, it's an issue of the heart. And that's why Jesus said, do not store up treasure for yourselves on earth, but store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that's what God is interested in. That's what Jesus is interested in. He is interested in your heart. He does not need your money, but he does want your heart. Would you bow your heads with me? And let me turn it over to our Vallejo campus to walk through this next section. It's very, very simple. I want to ask you today, where are you at? Some of us in this room this is really desperate times for you because of the debt problem you've got yourself into. And it looks like such a big hole you can never get yourself out. Yes, you can. It'll take you a while, but you can. Took the Camerons over three years. Might take you even longer, but you can do it. The temptation is to short-circuit the plan. Temptation is to just give in and feel like, you know, it's never going to change anyway. It can, but you must be disciplined in it. And you can't do that on your own. But you can with the help of God. So I'm going to ask you, what needs to change 
for your financial, financial picture to change? Is it that change of attitude that we talked about last week? Is, that, is it a change in just your perception and those distinctions we talked about today? Or is it just actually putting this plan into place? Maybe starting with just cutting out, incurring new debt. Maybe it's establishing this plan of paying it all off. Maybe it's establishing financial margin. But I'm going to tell you, it is not going to be easy, and you cannot do it on your own. But you have a Heavenly Father who cares about your heart, and He will help you. But you have to admit that you need His help. So if you're here today, and there's any part of this that hits home with you, and you're willing to say, you know... I can't do this on my own, but I know it needs to be done. And God, I need your help. I want to pray with you and for you as we close. If you would just raise your hand, hold it up, catch my eye. I want to acknowledge you and pray with you as we're going, as we close today. Yeah, 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 yep, yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe you're here today. And, and this is what I want to make clear. We are not talking about buying your way into heaven. We're not talking about paying your way before God. Okay? He already paid the ultimate price for you. He gave his one and only son who gave his life sacrificially on a cross so that you could be free from the grip of sin. It's an old song you used to sing. Course says he paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid it all. And maybe for you it starts with a first step of faith to just be willing to say, God, I have been living my life doing my own thing, doing it my own way, and I need your grace, I need your forgiveness, I need to turn my life over into your hands. And for you it's a first step of faith. And if that describes you, same thing. If you're willing to take that first step and admit your need, and ask for his forgiveness and start over with him. Same thing. Would you just raise your hand? Hold it up. Catch my eye. Want to acknowledge you? All right. Yeah. 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 So let me invite you to just make this your prayer. And whether it's a first time step of faith or this particular area of your life, really the prayer is always the same. It is this, Lord, I need your help. I've got enough failure, I've got enough mistakes, I've got enough sin in my life to prove that I can't do this on my own. And whether it's about my my finances or about my whole life, Lord, I need your grace. So I'm asking for that free gift of eternal life to take root deep within me. And in this area of my life, Lord, I give up control and and I'm going to do things your way and find that freedom that you want for me. I can't do it on my own. I need your strength. I need your grace. But today, I surrender. I am putting my life, I am putting my finances, I am putting every aspect of my being in your hands today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.